Welcome to another chapter of In the Keep. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherload, and this show is all about the world of first-person shooters, their legacies, their lineage, and the people who keep that world turning. It is the will of the drowned god, Katala, that we band together to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Alright, thank you to... Dots, Moose, Paul, Zach, Alexander, Lashaka, Brad, Night Owl, Tones, Jeffrey, Larissa, Nabe, and Steve, all of whom have donated via Patreon, via PayPal, credit card donations, uh, bought stuff through our Amazon affiliate link, uh, bought something from our Redbubble store, like an In The Keep t-shirt or stickers or something along those lines, or become Nitro Boosters on our Discord page. We appreciate all of you, and I'm going to try to keep the plugs and everything relatively short this time. So let's just thank you to all of them and go ahead and get right into it. So this week on the podcast, we have a very awesome guest. This is one of the cooler interviews that I personally really enjoyed doing, and we've done a lot of really cool ones lately, so that should say something. We talked to Dragonfly and he's just such a nice dude, man. It's just really hard to believe how just completely kind and generous someone can be, you know, with what they do. And Dragonfly is one of those guys that just, you know, come from a nice family and became just an amazing Doom mapper. And he made, you know, uh, Skull Dash, which we'll talk about a bit. Uh, I wasn't as familiar with that as I should have been, but hey, you know, whatever. He learns up it every day. And I really, you know, I wanted to talk about Ev Eternity. Uh, Ev Eternity was an amazing, amazing CAC Award winning uh, megawad that came out. And it just blew everybody's mind. It blew the whole Doom scene up. We played it for our charity tournament, uh, the Pigeon Classic, this past year and had a fantastic time. Just had a ball. And of all the people that they could have picked to do maps for Proteus, guess who they picked? They picked Dragonfly. So we spend a good amount of time just kind of talking about, you know, we talked about his passion for Doom, mostly like the making of Eternity and, what, you know, he, he did some progressive duel stuff with Decay and guys like that. And then we get into Proteus a bit and we talk uh, for, uh, for quite, a, quite a good bit about just... I got a lot more information than I expected to get, you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we talked a, a bit about, like, the process that's going on, the creative process of how they're kind of getting the maps done and how it all works and what we can expect from the game and everything, and I can't wait for you to hear it. And that's why I'm just going to shut the fuck up and let the music play. So, the music that you're hearing right now is by Eris Falling from the original soundtrack of Ev Eternity and after the interview we'll play another track from Ev Eternity by the great and powerful James Paddock. That's all I got for you guys today so let's get in the keep with Dragonfly.
Hi, so I'm Dragonfly. I'm known in the Demon community for creations such as Skulldash and Everternity, and I'm currently working on a video game called Proteus. I've been hired as the level designer for that. I'm going to have to go down two roads with this one. This is really interesting and fun because uh, you have such an amazing career in Doom that we could probably just... I, I wish I'd caught you before Proteus just so we could just talk about Doom. <laughs> well, we could do that if you like. I'm going to have to address Proteus or we'd have to do two episodes or something. Or we'll, we'll, we'll see how the conversation goes and uh, kind of follow the path that we end up on. Sounds good to me. But... Yeah, it's it's rare though that I end up with someone who's like got this awesome, you know, background like Eternity alone is just such a such an amazing project that we could just talk about that, but you're also like I want to have you promote Proteus as well. So again, we'll figure it out. Sure. So uh where did you get started? How did you fall into this whole doom mapping thing? Oh god, we're going back some time here. So um when I was a child, my father uh, used to play Doom and Quake back in the early 90s. And I don't know, I was always interested in what he's doing. He was a little cautious because I was quite young. Not sure if I, how I'd deal with that sort of thing. It might be too scary or what have you. Um, but when he and his friends were doing like a few deathmatch sessions here, there and everywhere, I'd try and join in even though I was like really bad at the game, too young. I barely remember it sort of thing. I used to sit and watch him make levels for him and his friends to play deathmatch on. And when I was a little older, uh, the Doom Collector's Edition came out. Uh, I believe it was 2005 when it had the Doom 3 demo on it. Maybe 2004, I can't quite remember. Um, but yeah, I picked up a copy of that for cheap, and the rest is history from there. I just, I was curious. I'd looked online to see if there's any more levels once I'd beaten it, and there were thousands upon thousands. And I was more interested in, okay, well, if these people could make theirs, how do I make mine? I <laughs> uh, picked up a copy of Doom Builder 1. Uh, by Codemp that that was in 2005 and yeah just sort of became a slave to the to the doom game so to speak and what were those early projects like for you like just oh christ uh <laughs> well none of them are surviving today probably for the best um <laughs> but yeah they were your typical you know new mapper trying to do too much without any understanding of what they're actually trying to do um type maps so uh my first map didn't have any doors or switches or anything because I didn't know how to make that work. That was good. <laughs> Once I'd got an understanding of that, I then uh, downloaded a copy of XWE and started like punching in other people's work, um, like texture packs, different music. Um, I even remember there was a RPG mod, a really early RPG mod for ZDoom uh, that I merged into my own projects before asking the person if it's okay, which was stupid. <laughs> And started trying to make a whole like RPG game in Doom and gave up on that. Then switched over and started doing different community projects um, under a long forgotten username. And then I sort of went off the rails for a bit. I sort of ditched the community because everyone was telling me, ah, oh, your maps suck. <laughs> this is what you should be doing. And rather than take the advice, I was I got in a bit of a childish, uh, like grumpy attitude to it and stopped and uh decided a couple of years later to come back to the zdoom forums instead of doom world thinking it's a friendlier place and joined a few community projects there so that's that would be like the full history before any of my notable projects pretty much and was your pops like playing your stuff was he into it 
He's still into it now, yeah. Um, he's he's not so much of a gamer these days, so he does find the work I do very difficult to play. But he absolutely loves just sort of looking into what I've been doing, um, keeping in touch with what the community's up to, that sort of thing. And uh, I don't know, he seems really proud of me from it. And I'm really thankful for his, his support. Uh, ultimately, having a parent who like encourages it rather than sort of shuts it down, saying, oh, you play games too much, is it does worlds of good at the end of the day. That, yeah, that's kind of be amazing. Yeah, it's like a family business almost. Like, yeah, that's one way of looking at it. I mean, we have actually done a bit of family business before. So uh, he used to DJ, and I used to do all the lights for him, which has actually influenced a couple of Doom maps, like a nightlife vine sauce. Yep, uh, that, contest. Yeah, yep, that was I'm it. Um, at your website, if you can't tell. <laughs> uh, I guessed it was that of the wiki. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks a, like that kind of thing. Definitely harkens back to like if you have that eye for design if you have that kind of 3d spatial intelligence and everything that it would make sense that you'd do lighting for djing like that's awesome mm, yeah it's good fun it's good fun we stopped stopped that about a year ago so i have more free time for other projects like proteus or actually having a social life <laughs> what kind of music were you guys doing um it was your typical sort of cheesy disco stuff so all your 70s and 80s whatever people want to have at their wedding or their birthday that kind of thing nothing like particularly hardcore in any way right on but we did did do a couple of 18th birthday parties those usually played more modern stuff and more electronic stuff so that was usually good fun still the lights too that's the leading up to you said Uh, yes the entire history leading up to before i made anything of note so what do you consider like okay, here's where I start, like, the real me came out. Yeah, so um, there's a community project on the Zedium forums called Ten, the Ten Community Project, and in that, uh, I wouldn't say that project was particularly great from my perspective, like, the the maps I put out were pretty bad, but um, the bonus map, which I believe was map 21, uh, the secret map, so to speak, was where my project Skulldash started. So I made this whole concept where you had to collect tokens in a time limit and get enough of them to be able to open up the exit and leave um i did that as a secret map thinking oh yeah you know it's a zedium project we should put in some zedium features do something a little bit more advanced uh the map itself was awful looking back at it but it's what birthed an entire megawatt that i later worked on called Skulldash. and 10 10 was done in 2008 if i'm not mistaken and Skulldash ended up coming out in 2015 so there was quite a long uh, period yeah. of time between the two to develop the whole thing. Now, it's I think it's important for me to say early on in this that I am about as much a novice Doom player as you could get. Actually, Eternity was the first wide that I ever personally like took and dragged into GZ Doom and like, okay, I'm going to do this on my own because every modded version of Doom that I'd played before then had been in multiplayer servers that someone else set up. Or, ah, I see. or had sent me a fully playable package. So I, th- I think that's important to say. Like, I don't, I'm not aware of Skulldash until as you, right now you're telling me about it. Okay. So what made that project special? Um, the main core concept behind Skulldash is that it forces the player to just keep moving. Um, so there's these little tokens called Skull Tokens that are sort of floating around the level. Uh, five different kinds and... Uh, you had to collect 75% of all of the tokens in the level before you could reach the exit. So it, it harkens back to that sort of collectathon type gameplay that you got in the 90s in like mm-hmm. 3D platforms like Super Mario uh, 64 or 
Banjo-Kazooie or Spyro the Dragon, um, but with a speedrunner element. So there was a time limit per map. Oh, so neat. you had to run around and collect the tokens in this time limit while fighting off all the various different Hellspawn. And different tokens had different effects. So you had like the basic token, which was just the main collectible. Then you had a blue token, which added five seconds to the timer. A green token, which gave some armor. A red token, which gave some health. And then a gold token, which gave, I think it was 100 armor. I'd have to double check that now. Um, but yeah, the whole the whole point of it was just go fast, go hard, or die sort of thing. And I think that's what makes it a little bit different, is it's like a forced speedrunning type wad. Neat. And how did, like what gave you the idea to do something like that? Um, well, I was just I was um, prompted to make a secret map for the Ten Community Project back in two thousand eight, and mm-hmm. I was just puzzling with different ideas. And then I built this idea using a health potion, where you had to collect all the health potions to get out. And then thought, well, how about I make it a little bit more special? Made a coin, a really bad sprite back then, but <laughs> it's what started the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just like a sort of natural development. I was bouncing it back and forth with a Doom user. Uh, called Remorath. Back then they were known as Morpheus. Um an Italian Duma. He's quite a good friend of mine. And yeah, he he really helped me sort of work out the sort of programming side of it. So learning the decorate I needed to learn, learning the ACS I needed to learn. And from there I just like maintained that passion of trying to push my knowledge a little bit further each time I do a new map, each time I work on a new piece of code, that sort of thing. He really helped out with that. And the whole project of Skulldash taking seven years was also a big part of that. Whereas I was just constantly trying to push myself forward. That's amazing. What was like the next project that you ended up working on uh, Doom-wise? Okay, so during the development of Skulldash, I did do two map contributions for Stronghold. Um, uh-huh. That was the big, like, not sure how to word it. I guess it's like a almost like a tower defense type thing. Um, or, right. or like an invasion mode, essentially, where you've got to defend a location from the demons who are just charging towards it. Uh, that was fronted by Tormentor Six Six Seven back in like twenty ten, I think, is when it came out. And I did two maps for that, but then um, both uh, the aforementioned Remorath and some other people sort of jumped in and helped out make the maps look a bit better and play a bit better. Uh, so I had Tormentor Six Six Seven, and I believe Vader also helped out with those maps, which was really good fun. What I'm kind of gathering from this is that you you started off and you're like, oh, I wasn't really getting anywhere. I wasn't getting the, you know, the praise that maybe you wanted, but it, it seems like you kind of found your way in making these things that are like utilize uh, new aspects of the game, like different modes or different, uh, like not, not your typical, just, you know, find your key and keep moving doom. Yeah, that, that yeah. was uh, definitely my roots. It was playing uh, other people's work, which had, things that went above and beyond what doom fundamentally was that mm-hmm. sparked an interest in me and uh, making that sort of content myself was um definitely a big push in my skills um but as time went on i i gained more and more of an appreciation of just more classic doom gameplay right so um later on i co-founded a project called elementalism which still isn't out now um, which was its intention was kind of meant to be the best of both worlds. So it's meant to be like these big, very impressive looking like GZ Doom format maps with all the like fancy bells and whistles, like 3D floors, dynamic lighting, so on and so forth. But with a very classic approach to gameplay. So the idea is it's not forcing you to play a way you wouldn't normally play. It's not 
trying to be something that isn't Doom. It's still fundamentally Doom, just looking as good as it can. But I later backed out of that project to work on Eternity because I, I I just had that itch to do something even more genuinely Doom, more classic. And I was presented the opportunity to use the Otex texture pack by Akira. So yeah, that's where that came from. I do want to touch on another one that I saw. Uh, you did a progressive dual map, right? I've done a few now. Yeah. Okay. So this is a game mode that I've heard a lot about, but have never actually done. Can you kind of explain like what's special about it? Yeah, absolutely. So progressive dual is doing doom dual, but in a new school format. So things like free look are supposed to be used. There's a couple of additional weapons like railgun, grenade launcher, lightning gun. Mm-hmm. And in general, like the maps are quite 3d. So it's, it's taking doom in a more sort of quake three arena, like okay. arena FPS sort of direction. Um, uh, prog dual, the whole like ethos about it is these maps are completely and utterly intended for one versus one. Uh, a couple of the maps do work well in free for all, but they're definitely best played one versus one. And I believe this, I, I couldn't say who the actual leader of the group is, so to speak, but it's, by the um, Mechanics Union. So there's people like Rust King and Decay uh, who are part of the group there. Mm-hmm. And I very much fell under sort of Decay's wing when it came to the multiplayer mapping side of things. So me and him have played Deathmatch for quite a long time at this point. And uh, he was just like, oh, come on, dude, make a map, make a map, make a map. We really want you on board. And I was like, okay, I'll do just one, um, which was a sort of a remake of Toxicity, which I believe is in Quake 2. I don't know. I discovered it in Quake Live. Um, I remade it and sort of like distorted the layout to suit Doom a bit better, mm-hmm. and uh, that that became quite a popular map for the like tougher <laughs> rounds. It's quite quite advanced because there's uh, three main power ups that you need to collect the like two different armors and the Soul Sphere, and they respawn every thirty seconds. So in a duel, people naturally gravitate towards these power items every thirty seconds and try and prevent the other player from getting them. So with three different items to sort of manage the timings of in your head, uh, it made it quite a competitive and vicious map to play on. Now, is this still a, a race to a certain number of frags, or is this a uh, time? Uh, yeah, it's typically either timed or has a frag limit or both. I think the frag limit, when uh, myself and Decay usually play, is I believe it's 20 or 25 we normally play to, or 10 okay. minutes, I think, whichever happens first. Okay. And... um. Yeah, some of the... I mean, we played it last night as it goes. We hopped on uh, ProgJoel and did some testing of some new maps. But um, yeah, it sometimes it gets very, very heated and I find it's much more balanced and competitively viable than just like standard Doom out of the box. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's just an interesting concept to me. I should try it out and I will eventually. It's just like there's a lot of content coming at me from all directions lately. <laughs> of course. But, well, yeah, it's just the way the world works and especially doing what I'm trying to do here. But... Absolutely. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is like the the way that Doom PvP typically works is you know there's you know we're trying to race towards I don't know something like fifty or seventy five frags, and it's very uh, the, it doesn't reset like Quake does. You know, like you're constantly just getting kill after kill after kill, and then you know you can die or or kill someone, and then they can come back with a shotgun and then come back and re- kill you immediately. Whereas in in quake that is not the case you're controlling items and you're you could 
feasibly just have a big fat stack, you know, and not have to worry about someone coming back. Like as long as they don't have a bigger stack than you, they could have any weapon they want. They're not realistically going to be able to just like completely offset the balance of the game. Doom is very much not like that. Yeah, Doom's um, much more chaotic typically. Right. So with uh, with mods like this, like Progressive Duel, or even like Quake Champions Doom Edition, which is essentially meant to model Quake in the Doom engine. I don't know. It just fascinates me. Like, what what made you guys want to do that? Um, I don't know what made the the group as a whole want to do this. I right. was very much a late joiner to it. But from from my perspective, what made me want to contribute towards the project was the way that it felt like the best of both worlds. It felt like I was playing something with the refinement of Quake's one v one like combat in a game I prefer, Doom. So mm. it it really does just seem to be, from my perspective, at least like the, the perfect middle ground what I, now i can't wait to try it <laughs> you sold me congrats fantastic well if you fancy a jewel sometime hit me up well let's do that actually that'd be really fun maybe we could uh perhaps play one of your maps and have you kind of walk us through it and show us like the little knickknacks of it and everything that'd be fun yeah i'd be uh, completely down for that that'd be great cool all right well, we'll schedule that after the interview at some point <laughs> sure thing so moving on let's talk about the uh the elephant in the room of eternity um as i said is like kind of the first mod that i was like i felt the need to like i need to play this by myself like i'm not going to just wait on somebody to set it up in our co-op server or whatever i'm going to go out i'm going to learn how to uh fuck with files and i'm drag this thing in here i'm going to play it and i've been i played it over christmas it's incredible man it's just such a fantastic every level is just amazing thank you how did you get the inspiration to do this? And like, what were your motivate? Everything. Tell us the whole story. Okay. Well, if we go right back to the beginning, so it's probably about February time, maybe early March. Um, Akira uh, re- reached out to me saying like, hi, uh, I've got this texture pack that I'm working on. I've been working on it for many, many years, like since darkening episode two came out and I'm looking for people who are willing to test it. And I replied, um, aware of like how long standing Akira's like existence has been in the Doom community. I think he's been here since ninety nine, ninety eight, something like that, maybe earlier. And I, you know, I was a little bit, dare I say, starstruck the fact that he reached out to me of all people. And mm-hmm. I found out he'd reached out to a couple of other people, and most people had reluctantly sort of turned it down, saying, "Look, I'm a little bit too busy at the moment. Good luck." And I replied saying much the same, like I'm a bit too busy at the moment, but I'd happily make one map for it and see how it goes. And he, he was just like, cool, see what you get on with. And if you've got any areas of the textures that you feel are lacking, or if there's some textures that aren't quite up to the standard of the rest of them, let me know. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's cool. So I sat down one, one weekend in, I want to say it's February, was it March? I'm not too sure of 2018. And, got to work and i dug through the thousand it's like 1200 textures at a time or something crazy had a skim through and saw some like different themes popping out at me that caught my interest and i thought i really like these stone textures like these stone bricks and like these different like runes he had on them and stuff and i was like okay i need to i need to use these these ones have really caught my eye so i made what later became everton map one and i made it in the space of about three or four days uh pinged it back to him and he was quite dumbfounded at how quickly i'd built it and was like so what do you think of the texture pack and i was like honestly i actually want to carry on using it like now kind of thing (laughs) um and he's like wow really and like we started building up a bit of a friendship over time and 
later, I think it was the same week that I'd finished Map 01 of Evertonia, I thought, let's make an episode. We'll make it just a five-map thing. So I started making what became Map 2, which was like this cavernous map um, with a couple of like marble ruins. And I don't know, it, it just very quickly developed from there, really. I, I kept maintaining interest in it. And after I got to about five or six maps done, I uh, started thinking, oh, I think it was after I finished the second map, I was like, I want to try some different themes. Uh, went away and I tried making a tech base, which became map seven. And I think I did eight straight away after it and then played around with other themes and very quickly came to the decision that I'm just going to make a megawatt. Let's do it. I want to make a whole 32 maps. And then I was sort of like looking for reasons to make a megawatt and found that Doom's 25th um, anniversary, sorry, uh, was about to come up. And I was like, how possible is it to get a megawatt done in like the next six and a half months, seven months. And everyone's like, you're crazy. You're absolutely insane. I was like, yeah, but am I? I think I could do it. And um, I sort of set out on this mission to make a megawatt and started do- like developing the themes for each episode. So I started just doing one map from each episode or two maps from each episode just to define what the themes were going to be. And then very quickly decided, I want a nice episode. And reached out to Akira to say, like, hey, I've noticed there's, like, two ice textures and one snow texture or something, and that's not enough to make an entire episode out of. And he was like, oh, yeah, that. I was going to delete those. I really don't want to do those textures. And I was like, yeah, but I've start- started using them. Don't suppose you could finish it now, do you? And he was like, oh, fuck. Okay. Um, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> um so it was it was quite interesting. Uh, we sort of kept bouncing back and forth, and I kept inspiring him to make new textures, and he kept inspiring me to try like different parts of themes in an episode. And we got quite far in, and then realized, oh, hold on a minute, maybe it is a bit insane to try and make an entire megawatt in this time. So I brought on a few guest mappers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got the likes of uh, Anne Mutt, Jimmy, Akira himself. Antares, so on and so forth, to like join the project one by one and told them, you got to keep this on a download sort of thing. We want to do a big release. And yeah, from there, uh, we got a few people helping out, developed the entire project, um, got a few, couple of people to help out with music, mainly Jimmy. He was a huge help. And um, we had Eris Falling, who did like the boss music at the end, and so many great contributors, sort of just joining in and feeling as passionate as I was about the project. And we all just kept motivating each other to do things and it made us do things quicker. And before you know it, there's a megawatt ready. <laughs> so I want to touch on that. You, you talked a little bit about how you just wanted to do an ice level. You'd had some previous experience doing that, right? Uh, was there a winter weekend? So oh yeah. Joy of mapping. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was great. So was this like, did you just enjoy making snowy things was that something that you already had in mind or it just happened to fall into your lap as you made Eternity? a bit of all three to be honest so i i've previously enjoyed doing ice and snow themed maps they have a real sense of atmosphere to them right um and playing other people's maps like uh winter's fury by pyroscorge for example that is a hugely inspirational set and yeah um Akira had done a handful of icy and snowy textures. When I say a handful, I mean five or six total right. out of this right. thousands of textures in a pack. 
And I was like, I, I looked at them and was like, these are really good quality. They just don't have anything to go with them yet. Um, so I, I sort of pressured him into finishing the set rather than deleting them. I was like, well, what if I start using them now? And he's like, I can't stop you, but then I couldn't delete them either. And I was like, good, I've started using them. And he's like, fuck, okay, right. Um, well, I guess I'll see what I can do. Um, so the ice episode ended up being one of the last ones that we developed just because of the lack of textures to begin with sort of thing. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it was, it was a theme I definitely wanted to explore because we were doing all sorts of other uh, sort of themes. Like we had the sort of cold looking, like gothic-y episode at the start. We had the rather warm looking tech bases. Then I wanted like another sort of cold-ish episode, mm. so to speak. So that was the ice episode. Uh, then we had the brutalism one, which I'd say is just sort of neutral. And then you've got the hell episode, which is very hot. And then the heaven episode, which is, I guess, another neutral. So it's like two, 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 like two of each sort of thing. And I wanted to also have like complete different color palettes to each episode. So the first episode is quite a lot about like blue and brown and green sort of tones. Um, the second episode uh, was very sort of like orange and brown, very typical doom colors sort of thing. Right, right, right. And then the third episode, I wanted to go for like a sort of pale color set, uh, which later became the ice episode, obviously. With the third episode, I the ice episode, I wanted like a more pale texture set, so mostly blues and whites, things that felt cold. And um, generally just wanted to use the, the full extent of the like doom palette in its entirety as effectively as I could. So that included the pink hues. Mm-hmm. So episode four, I wanted to bring in like lots of greens and we later during the development of this episode changed the green to a teal range, which I really love. Absolutely love that. And people have since been referring to it as Everturner teal, which puts a bit mm-hmm. of a smile on my face. And um, like with the hell episode, we wanted to bring in all the like blacks and the reds. And then I thought this is where we can bring the pinks in and made that sort of alien sub episode in the middle of the episode, so to speak with the two maps back to back that use all the blacks and pinks. And then with the final episode, it was all about the, the whites and the golds get get all heavenly. So we really stretched that palette to like its logical extents without having to like change the sprites in the way like ancient aliens did, for example, or Mm -hmm. make other adjustments. And I feel like we got a good job done out of that one. So it's actually very interesting to me, uh, the the color palette thing, because a I'm colorblind, so actually I don't see as many shades of like green and red and everything, or mixtures of them. Purples, blues get all mixed up for me, and I feel like I, there's probably something there that I don't get to appreciate that other people do. That sounds very possible and honestly quite unfortunate. I'm sorry you have color blindness. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's whatever. I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying it's a it it, it fascinates me because of this. Okay. Um, um yeah it's actually like complete tangent ish but uh bridge burner i don't know if you've come across his maps before uh they are very like color coordinated and yet he's Mm -hmm. also got color blindness which i find very fascinating i I know it's not like a full like like i i'm not the most um not the most lectured on color blindness i don't know what different severities there are of it so to speak but i know that his wouldn't be like the most extreme where everything's right. sort of blurred into one, but I imagine he combines some colors 
that are close to each other and stuff. But yeah, his maps right. have a very strong color color bound aesthetic despite his color blindness, which I find really fascinating. It's not monochrome yeah. or anything like that. It's just uh so I've heard like different movie directors like say uh do you know Eli Roth who who made uh Cabin Fever and movies like that or Green Inferno, Hostel? I actually don't know. Okay. Well, just as an example, in, in one of his films, Hostel, it's like a horror movie and he kind of kills off characters. And each character in the movie, apparently, from what I've heard, I can't really tell, has like an article of clothing that's a certain color. And as they're killed off in the movie, that color drops from the palette of the film. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's like a, like a subtle kind of as as the character dies, their color like just is no longer there. And apparently that's a really big part of the movie that someone like me completely misses. So it actually, I don't know, it doesn't break my heart. I just, I accept where I'm at, but to hear that Eternity has like this amazing, uh, I can tell that themes are different. I, I didn't really realize, you know what you're saying about how like each, each thing has its own color palette. That's really cool and really interesting and thoughtful that you would put that into it. Mm. I mean, it's not that the colors didn't cross over from episode to episode. Like there were reuses of the colors, but each episode ten- mm. tends to have its like dominant color or two colors. Right. Right. So that was definitely a focus while making it. I think I think that kind of comes naturally in some senses, though. I I mean, I do like web design for a main job during the day. Okay. So I'm constantly working with different brand guidelines and things, and everything has to be like a specific shade of a specific color and that sort of thing. So it kind of just naturally became part of my working process when working in Dune that I think about the colors and the way they complement each other and stuff. Yeah. Or if I'm going for something wild, the way they don't complement each other. It happens a lot when we're doing the album artwork for the podcast, right? Because every episode of our artwork thus far, at least, has been uh, unique. Like it's themed towards the person being interviewed or the game that they, you know, worked on or something mm. along those lines. And the, the two guys that do it, Spaced and Hedukent, uh, are both incredible graphic designers. And they're all—I feel like they're always disappointed by my feedback because they're like, "What do you think about like this color?" Or like, "What do you think about the way this is laid out?" And I'm like, it "Looks great, dude! <laughs> like, it looks cool to me." Because I'm not helpful in any way. Ouch. Uh, I, I understand that though. I mean, it makes sense. You can see, okay, yeah, this does look good. Can't really yeah. comment on the colors though. It seems fine to you. So, no, it's it's cool though. Like, I was actually going to ask if you had schooling about you know art and color balance and everything that led you to that. But you say graphic design is kind of your your or website design. Yep, and graphic design on okay. the side as well. So, um, okay. yeah, I mean, I was never really schooled about it at any point. Um, but from as young as I can rem- remember, I've always been inter- like interested in different aspects of computing and found that the creative side of things always just interests me and keeps me interested. So for as young, uh, I was, must have been about 10 years old when I tried making my first website. This would have been back in the 90s with a really old copy of Internet Explorer and Notepad. I was trying to do this in. Right. I just got a book from the library and things sort of progressed from there like I as my Doom skills got better, so did my web design skills, essentially, throughout my like upbringing. And must have been about when I was 16, I'd already taken a plunge and gone ahead and got a part-time design job while I was um, finishing up school. And then once I was finished with the college years, I made that full-time, and it's just it's been a natural progression from there, really. Right. Where did you grow up? Uh, I live in Surrey in the UK. No, um, no shit. But, like, yeah. 
still still in actually my hometown as it goes i've just moved about a 10 minute drive from where i grew up okay i, I guess i'm asking like big community small community like uh, early to adopt technology rural like th- this kind of aspect okay um so in terms of like my my upbringing my father's always been quite a techie and gadget kind of guy um right. so he's always been like the influence there from like a technological perspective Mm-hmm. And both my mother and grandfather are very artistic people. Um, like my grandfather always used to love doing sketches and different paintings. And my mum, being uh, brought up by my grandfather, uh, also like inherited all that sort of interest in painting and producing different formats of art. And I feel like uh, my outcome is sort of like a slap bang in the middle, like combination of the two. I've taken my dad's techie aspects. I've taken my mum's sort of like artistic aspects and basically become a technological artist <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Um, I would, I would agree to that, man. You're definitely an artist. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I mean, yeah. sometimes it feels a bit, uh, I don't want to say narcissistic, but pretty self, um, self promoting to call yourself an artist without other people referring to you as that, but well, I'll do it for you. <laughs> thank you very much. Yeah. Don't worry about it. But yeah, um, that's that's pretty much everything that sort of brought me into this this area of the internet, this tiny little niche, the Doom community. So sweet, that's amazing, man. Like you, yeah, it's like I didn't expect to actually get that kind of an answer out of you. No, a lot of people are kind of difficult about like you know where they come from or what influence they're. I didn't want to get too Freudian, but like yeah, you so see your your parents kind of like created a. I'm not going to call you a genius and blow your <laughs> ego, but they created a, an excellent, uh, highly influential Doom Mapper. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much. Really cool. um, yeah. I feel like that does overplay my position in the community. I don't necessarily feel like I'm as like high up or influential per se. I'm no skill saw, but I don't know. I have had a couple of people reach out and say like, hey, I've started mapping because I've played such and such and... Like I'm really thankful for that. Or hey, I've been on your website. I now have learned how to do portals in my Doom map, and I'm really appreciative for that. So there's definitely some element of it influence, I suppose. Yeah, no, I I think it's so it's fun. I've, I've mentioned this a few times before, but I'll I'll repeat it. I don't care. I like like I said earlier, I'm a complete noob to this. Like I I love the retro and classic FPS stuff. I love doom. Like probably doom is probably my favorite game uh, right up there with quake and, you know, this type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I have a lot of friends like a uh, human bones, right? I, I produce doom is dead podcast for him because I love him and everything he does. Uh, and he would probably be, you know, like Nate, Oh my God, mother load. What the fuck is your problem? Why would you say that? You know, there's a million other people that should be named before dragonfly or something like that, but I don't have any, <laughs> you know, uh, preconceived notions of who is and isn't important so for me it's like you made something that i really enjoy so to me you're the man you know that that kind of thing thank you very much i appreciate that maybe that isn't true but you you are a a large influence on my interest in doom uh custom maps that's just part of it i'm really not sure how to respond to that uh thank you i I appreciate it it's fine uh, you did mention your website, which I'm currently staring at. Uh, it is important to note that you you do have tutorials available to people who are interested in getting into mapping and everything like that. That's that's really neat. Yeah, I I looked online. Um, I was looking for how to do it was portals specifically. Actually, funnily enough, that I really wanted to learn how to do 
quickly and like have a quick ref- like reference point to go to whenever I'm a little bit stuck with it. Um, and there wasn't really anything that was quite ticking all the boxes. There was things that were very informative, and then there was like other maps I could refer to, but then I'd have to find where it is and stuff. It was never just there in a quick and easy format for me. Um, so I looked around and like was looking for a website that does like more advanced tutorials, not the like dead basic ones, like how to make a door or how to make a switch, that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I realized there was a bit of a lack of it. So I really wanted to try and, I don't know, fill that void a little bit for the community. I had a bit more spare time when I started this website and yeah, I I definitely feel like there's been some success. I've had quite a number of people reach out saying like, Hey, thank you for this. Or people have joined my discord because they've been on my website looking at a tutorial, uh, that sort of stuff, which has been fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I've definitely fallen to the wayside in terms of writing tutorials. And it's something I'd like to get back to once I've got a bit more time on my hands. Yeah. I think that stuff's really important. It's uh, something I'm not sure if you're familiar with like kind of the equivalent in the quake community, but it's something I talked to a lot with uh, Jeremiah of Killpixel from wrath of Aeon ruin is that, uh, you know, he wanted to make a game on the Quake engine and there was no real, like, this is how you map in the Quake engine or this is, you know, how you do things. This is what you should do with the code. This is how that kind of thing, except for like one or two people, you know, or, or like little messages here and there on different message boards that have been lost to time. Yeah. And yeah. And people like you and people like Dump Truck, who would probably be the equivalent in, you know, the Quake community. Yeah. Dump Truck's fantastic. Are, yeah. Or leaving that you know creating something that people can just easily like go hey yeah, I, I need to know how to do something learn it take it and then hopefully they create something amazing that they wouldn't have been able to or didn't have the time to do without having someone like you to kind of give them that guide that's awesome thank you i mean that's exactly the intention of the website yeah obviously being my website i had to put my own projects on there but i still haven't bothered to go throw it all and put every single one on there because again time ultimately it takes time to write the articles to get all the screenshots, that sort of thing. And half the time I'd like to put that time into making more maps. <laughs> so it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. And I'm sure if you really wanted to, like, I'm assuming you designed your own website, but I'm sure people would love to help you, you know, like contribute to the project if you know, other mappers are. Uh, yeah. Um, in fact, there, we very recently published the first guest article on that website, which is all about multiplayer mapping, um, which is written by Decay, who helped out on, pro- well, he was a very important figure in the uh, progressive ju- uh, <laughs> mumbling my words here, uh, progressive duel two. Um, so he, he'd basically gone like, well, there's no full on guide to making like a modern multiplayer map. You've got a lot of basic mm-hmm. tips out there, but there's no proper guide out there and why don't we put it on your website and that was that <laughs> yeah thousands of words later but there's this comprehensive guide on what makes a good uh, multiplayer map what different ports there are to play on that sort of stuff so it's a very good starting point for anyone interested in making maps for deathmatch or jewel or capture the flag or anything like that and shout out to decay uh, he was on doom is dead i think uh two episodes ago something like that but he's yeah obviously like that's it's just amazing mm, i'm gonna have to give, give that a listen now yeah that's where i heard a progressive duel in the first place i think he was episode two or three uh, if you need help okay. finding it but or i'll send it to you thank you but 
Yeah, yeah, that's where I first heard of Progressive Duel was his episode on there, and that's why I was like, "Oh, I saw you did something cool." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great to work with as well. Okay. When you're making uh, a map of any kind, uh, Eternity is a perfect example, or or even the multiplayer like a uh, PvP maps. What do you have to take into consideration in regards to like the different source ports? Because I know that's a it's a big thing. Uh, sometimes like. The first time I played Eternity, in fact, was we did a charity tournament. Uh, my the keep did. It was like a, a three event long, like it was all weekend. We did a quake event with uh, two pros playing against each other, and then we had a co op event where we all played Eternity together. But it was on uh, Z Damon, and some of the maps that I later played in GZ Doom were you know completely different. They had to be changed or, or like left out or omitted in some way because they wouldn't function with the with their source yeah so um yeah z damon's kind of a relic of the past at this point um i don't think it's really updated its code base to a more modern copy of z damon probably something close to a decade oh um, no 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 no, not at all they're very you know old school yeah that. So um, some of the maps, I believe the ones that would probably have caused issues would have been maps 19 and 32, mm-hmm. um, are probably just a bit too big for Z Damon's handle. It just needs what they call extended nodes, I believe. I could be wrong in saying this. I might be getting my information muddled up here. But um, yeah, uh, so in Z Damon, uh, some maps just straight up wouldn't be playable unless we culled them and did some changes and stuff maybe cut out areas from it entirely. Um, whereas in GZ Doom, not only does it run the way it was intended to run, we've actually put in a few like cosmetic upgrades that only work in GZ Doom. Right. Such as uh, like the rainfall and the snow in episodes one and three, respectively, or particles coming out of the portals and from teleporters, stuff like that. And um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> uh, the port consideration is definitely a big one. And for Eternity specifically, I picked Boom format because it's the format I map quickest in. And if I had this big deadline to reach, obviously I wanted to make it in a achievable amount of time. And also I feel it's the ports with the biggest audience because most Boom maps are playable in almost every source port unless they're targeting a more vanilla sort of structure like Chocolate Dome, for example. Right. So Boom seemed like the obvious choice for that. Um, whereas say Skoldash that originally targeted Sandrinum, um, or way back when I was first making it, it targeted uh, Skold uh, Skold Tag. Sorry, mixing things up a little bit. Um, and the reason for that is I wanted it originally to be like more co-op oriented, and because it was pushing the engine and what it can do, like I was using advanced features like ACS and Decorate, I needed a Zdoom based port that had a lot of the more modern features. So I couldn't use, mm-hmm. say, Z Damon as my port for um, Skoldash simply because it doesn't have the feature set I need. But I do want, I did want online multiplayer, so Skulltag was the only option left. Um, so yeah, it sort of depends on what my end goal is with the project as to what map format I pick. But I've done a map in just about every format at this point except maybe eternity i don't know if they have their own format for that or not i'd have to check 
uh, you talk about Skulltag, you know, working with that. Did you interact with uh, Brad at any point during that time frame? Uh, not directly during the Skulltag time, but I have okay. um, to- uh, spoken to Brad or Carnival for those, not sure. Um, since he was like when working really Brad. recently on the show. Yeah, I like listened off. to that. I, yeah. I did listen to that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I've spoken to him while Rack Exiverse was in development. Um, even though Rack itself wasn't the like most popular game, I really enjoyed it myself. And yeah. um, yeah, when I heard he was doing a sequel, I, I hopped on the Discord very briefly just to say like, "Hey, appreciate your work. I'll get a copy of Exiverse when I've got the time and money to do so." And he was like, "Yeah, I really cool. appreciate that." And that's pretty much it, to be fair. <laughs> but yeah, I mean uh for like all the people who've you know talked down about uh carnival and stuff i think his contributions to the multiplayer scene have been immense and without his work on skull tag i probably wouldn't be as invested in it as i am now so yeah i think i don't know I, i've spoken about that enough that people know how i feel about it but yeah i, I feel the same way yeah so um so what kind of fucking name is Eternity? How did you come up with that? Okay, so um, back when we... Some ridiculous names yeah. all the way through this. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Um, so originally the project was named Project Decadence. Um, that was just a little code name I gave it. It was a name that I'd recently learned the meaning of and found it fancy and thought, oh, yeah, that'll do. Slap that in. And as the project went on, I was thinking, well, uh, we need we need a better name than this. This isn't that good. Um, mm-hmm. so amongst myself and the guest mappers that were present at the time, uh, we were bouncing names back and forth and I was just reading thesaurus pages and Googling random things and just trying to find various interesting names. And, um, I don't know, I, I settled for a while on Novus, which means new in Latin. Um, so it's almost called Novus and not Everturnity. And reason I picked that was because, I don't know, Otex was new. It, it, I, I had the feeling it's going to be the, like, the, the next big texture pack for the community. And so far, that seems to be true. The amount of new Otex projects popping up is incredible. Um, but I felt like that, that was leaning on the texture pack more than the map set. The map set wouldn't be new forever, so I was like, no, that's not the name for it. And um, one... Uh, while I was working on Everturnity, I was reached out to by the people who are working on Proteus. Mm-hmm. And they they taken me on board, but I said to them, like, I can't really do any work on this till I finish my own project first. I made that quite clear, and they were okay with that. Um, but in my head, I was thinking, well, once I'm done with this map, maybe it's, maybe it's time I move on from Doom. Maybe I start trying to just become more into game dev as a whole. Um, so kind of wanted it to be my my last major release and everything and i thought eternity was a good good pick because it means eternal existence or mm-hmm. in this case it'd be like my last mark on the community for the better or worse and yeah i mean since releasing it i've been dabbling in doom consistently since like i, I can't leave the game alone i've learned <laughs> there's no escaping doom once you're in you're in and, you tried um, yeah well I, I didn't even give it an honest try really to be honest <laughs> with you um but yeah, uh, Proteus has taken the forefront for me at the moment. I'm treating it somewhere between a hobby and a job. Like it's a hobby I take seriously, much like Doom mapping. So, um, for the time being, it kind of is my last major release. But I do intend to come back in full force 
later on. Uh, but it's nice to experience something new in the meantime. But yeah, Eternity, that's that's the name's origin. I can't remember how he came about that name in particular, but half the team didn't like it at first <laughs> at all. And I was like, nope, nope, I've decided this is the name. We're having this one. And they're like, yeah, but you said that about the last two. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. But it did stick in the end. What's the? There's a map that's called Cryonology, or I'm not. I could be mispronouncing it. Uh, no, I think that's the correct pronunciation. Okay, so that's like my favorite map that I've gotten to play, and it's freaking like it's so weird. It's a, it's an interesting map because it has these areas where you kind of kind of loop back around. For instance, there's a, a sort of I don't know if it's intended to be a secret, but an area where you're in a, in a small courtyard and there's a, a large wall here. And then there's a, uh, a, a door that you couldn't open before leads up a staircase to a room with a bunch of items in it. And then you can kind of like go a certain way, hop up on a, a, a small part of the wall and then try to get into this area. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, but for some reason that frustrated the shit out of me. Like, and I, and and that caused me to spend a lot of time on that map. And then I got really familiar with it and fell in love with it. Um, maybe it's not something worth spending a whole lot of time on, but can you kind of just for my own entertainment, walk me through that map in particular? Um, well, that map isn't actually one of mine. Funny enough, that was by a guest map called Atronox or damn. Well, now Tronics. I feel like an asshole. No, no, that's absolutely fine. That is a, yeah. a very common, like top rated map out of the set. Like that is a lot of people's favorites and it's one of my favorites too. Cool. It's, I, I I couldn't pick an actual favorite out of all of them to be fair, um, but yeah the the idea behind that map was so that do you remember the large arena uh, in the far north with the um the big sort of like marble columns and like the clock face on the yes. bottom of the arena, so that was the first thing made for the level that big centerpiece, um so basically uh i had told h knots this is the music you're getting and he was really happy about that because he's a huge fan of stew boy uh this is the map slot you're getting which was originally going to be map 13 but we shuffled it around because of difficulty reasons and wanting it to be sort of like a linear difficulty scaling throughout the episode Mm. and um he'd uh obviously in its position that meant this would have to be a snow map so he had a few things sort of decided for him so in his head he had the number 13 because it's map 13 he had like the very different piece of music to what most sort of maps got because that was uh, one that Stewboy had offered to write and we know what his style is like. And um, he he got to work on like just making this wonderful looking like marble. I, I don't know how to word it other than like a big gazebo almost, but that doesn't yeah. do it justice by any means. And uh, like embedding this 13 hour clock face in the center of it because it, was map 13 he wanted to play on the whole unlucky 13 aspect of it mm. um so that that one point that one moment of the map is basically what created the rest of it for him as far as i'm aware so yeah i mean he i, I did help with that map and so did uh Zaser. i'm sure you've heard that name before begins with an x um mm-hmm. so uh, HROX was having a bit of uh, trouble finishing the map. He didn't know how he wanted to end the level. Um, so he passed it back to me saying, like, could you give me a hand with this? And uh, Zesa had reached out to me asking for help with his map as well. So we'd done a deal where Zesa helps with Atro's map and I help with Zesa's map. And then we bounce them back to each other 
and sort of finish things up. And then that uh, what came of that was the whole Stonehenge section at the end of the level. Yes. Um, so that was like Zace's contribution, which I assisted with. And in replacement for him helping me with that, I did the thing placement in map 26. Uh, the one which has the hell tower in the heaven scene with BFG and rockets only. So yeah, it was a really interesting development cycle. It was constantly everyone sort of helping each other out here, there and everywhere. That's so cool. I, I like the idea that you, you said, uh, you know, he had some things decided for him to begin with, you know, like, right. You know, like, here's your map, here's your slot number and everything. So like be creative within these confines. I always enjoy that. Like when you have limitations and you have to try to, engineer your way into something and then create something out of the out of limitation mm, yeah it's one of my favorite ways of working as well um like right. the 1024 challenge and in fact i've there was one uh a, a new member to the community called zizzy one uh turned up mm-hmm. and the, the whole story behind that one was quite funny so he turned up and said hey i'm making this megawatt where all the maps take place in the two two five six by two five six square which is crazy yeah it's got the same concept as 1024 where the map map can be bigger, but the player can't escape that tiny little square. And he was like showing screenshots and stuff. And then most people just looked at this and went, yeah, but I want to make one now. And suddenly people were like, yeah, I've made one and then submitted it to the thread, even though it wasn't a community project. And it very quickly became a community project because of how many people were interested. And, um, yeah, that's one of my favorite limitations that I've worked in. I, I made this ridiculously tall 3D tower. That's only 256 by 256 square, like horizontally. And yeah, <laughs> got we going all over the place here. <laughs> no, that's awesome. It's it's tangential, you know, kind of go one way or the other. I know you have a limited amount of time, though, so let's go ahead and put the kibosh on Doom for now. Maybe we'll revisit it in a future interview or something. Sure. But let's talk about Proteus. Proteus. So where do we start with Proteus? Um, I've obviously already mentioned how um, Jason, also known as General VV, reached out to me while I was working on Everternity, so mm-hmm. don't need to worry about how I got the job so much. But yeah, um, obviously they reached out, they gave me a very early demo copy of the engine and left me with the editor and said, do what you want, learn as you go, see what, see what happens. Gave me absolutely no limitations at all. And um, I had to ask for a couple of bits of advice, like uh, what different hotkeys are there? What's the best way of doing this? Just to make sure I wasn't doing it wrong, um, because the editor was in quite a like primitive format compared to what it's in now. So there's no like mm-hmm. built-in tooltips. There was no hotkeys that were like viewable. You just had to know them. And um, yeah, I very quickly got to work and started making this sort of like acid-filled tech base type thing. Very doom. Very, very doom in its uh, style. And sent it back to them. They're like, oh, yeah, this is this is cool. Carry on. If you need any advice from us, reach out. Don't be scared. They they were, they kind of put me to the test at first because they wanted to see how easy the editor is to use for someone without hand-holding them. Because right. that's one of the big parts of the game is the editor will be shipped with the game for the community to use as they will. So... Obviously, they wanted to test the viability of that by giving it to me. Um, and yeah, I, I got on with it pretty well, very quickly, and found myself starting to do all these different interesting like styles of architecture that I couldn't do in Doom without putting in hours and hours fiddling with like dummy sectors and 
awkward sloping and all this sort of stuff. And um, yeah, so they they were happy with what I've done, and obviously, like we've done rounds and rounds of feedback and evolved the map from the initial uh, version that I'd made, and then from there, I guess it's just sort of like the rest is history in the sense that every time there's a new update, I download it. I'm looking for ways to use these new tools or the new enemies or whatever. And it's just a constant back and forth. And I'm now currently working on my, I guess you'd say fourth level, but third level that's intended for the like early release. Um, almost finished that last weekend. So I've just got, I've just received a round of feedback, which I'm going to work on. And yeah, it's just in terms of the workflow, it's been fantastic. As they, as they release or, or like, you know, update things, do you find yourself going back and be like, oh shit, now I want to do this with a previous, you know, map that had already basically finished? Um, or- there is a little bit of that, a little bit. Okay. Um, I know there's going to be a bit more once we get some new weapons built into the game. Um, there's like, there's been some encounters I've designed where I'm thinking, yeah, in my head, I want this kind of weapon, but we don't have that yet, but I know it's coming. So I'm building it with that in mind, but making sure it's possible without it sort of thing for now. Um, but I think the most notable example of like things I wished I had sooner was a cylinder tool. Mm-hmm. So the way Proteus's engine works is every surface is a face. So in Quake, you've got brushes, which are typically a six-sided cuboid. And um, right. obviously you can distort them and do what, what you need to do with them. Uh, but in Proteus, it's just one side, one face per brush if you will or it could be multiple um you can extrude and do all sorts of different distortions to them to make the shapes that you're looking for but yeah with this with this method i created a fully like circular lift that's like a really tall vertical tunnel and there's like combat on lift as it's rising and stuff i did all that with the some of the earliest versions of the tools and then not too long later um mike the main programmer and like the original idea for Proteus. He's where the idea came from. Um, He'd programmed in a cylinder tool and a stair tool, which means that it's much quicker to make stairs and it's really a lot quicker to make uh, cylindrical things because you can specify how many sides you want, how big you want it, and then distort it from there to the shape that you're looking for. Um, So that was probably the most notable example of, oh, I really wish I had that sooner. Yeah. Um, But yeah, in terms of a workflow, it's very different from what I'm used to with Doom. So, and yet very familiar somehow. So, in in the Doom engine, unless you are like a full blown artist, you usually work with what you've got. You you can't, or most people can't, just make all the textures that they want, or they can't make new music or what have you. They'd have to rely on other people to do that, or they just get on with what the community's already made. And that's one of my sort of methods of working originally is like okay so i've only got this texture pack to work with so i'm gonna work within the limitations of the text texture pack or these are the enemies i've got like the standard doom bestiary so i can't add anything more to that because i don't have the know-how or what whatever the situation may be whereas in proteus i'm being given like i'm sort of being drip fed new bits of content like new textures new tools new enemies new weapons just bit by bit and it's quite quite a fun way to work honestly because you don't know what you're going to get next and it is quite inspirational 
each piece that comes forward. It's like, oh, wow. Okay, so now that I've got these new textures, I can make this theme and do this. And, oh, nice. This is exciting. So you're not stuck within a limitation for too long. Jason was on Quakecast, I think, like April last year. And he talked a little bit, you know, into kind of the way that the storytelling would work in Proteus. Uh, how much of that is being given to you in in your mapping? Like, are they kind of dictating, like, we want sort of this uh, this to be found out at this point in the game? or? Um, so initially, there was none of that. When I was first okay. getting the editor, they would just said, like, you're a Doom mapper. You've done maps for other games. Go have fun. See what happens. Right. Um, and what I created was very much like within their aesthetic and what they're looking for. So that just worked out really nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, but as time's gone on and as the ideas have developed more internally between like the main the main two developers, um, they're sort of like saying, okay, so that, that bit that you've made here fits into this part of the progression. So your map's going to be in this slot, so on and so forth. Um, but they're not telling me everything. Like I'm not fully clued up about the entire project at any given time. Right. Like even I'm like being surprised the same way the public are sometimes, which is very fun. And it's done in such a way that isn't like impacting my ability to work. Like there's clear communication from them and from myself between us to make sure that what I'm going to be working on or what I am working on does or can line up with their like overall vision but i think they're trying to not sort of pigeonhole my experience into a slot and rather let my inspiration help the story develop and so on and so forth so really cool man Mm. is anything else that you just kind of wanted to touch on put on the spot like that i'm not sure (laughs) (laughs) i I never did do an overview of what proteus itself was so uh, if for you'd those... like to, yeah, we'd, we'd love that. I, I don't know why I just assumed everybody tuning into this already knew what it is. But yeah, like there's actually not as much publicity as I think there should be. So go ahead. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a difficult thing to publicize and work on at the same time. It's almost like we need one marketer kind of guy. Um, hey. Oh, well, I'm kidding. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, but yeah, so Proteus is a retro-styled first-person shooter. It's built within the Unity engine, but doesn't use the Unity engine for like the level creation side of things. So it, it's kind of its own engine built inside of Unity. Um, so for those who play games like Doom and Quake and similar like 90s to early 2000s first-person shooters will probably love this. It's very fast-paced. It's got like a great monster variety. It's got very interesting locations and all that sort of stuff. And speedrunners and normal like casual players alike will definitely be able to have the time of their life in this game in my opinion mm. so overall proteus is sort of like the the dream fps to the 90s fps guy in my opinion anyway i'm not trying to downplay the value of dusk and wrath and similar games they definitely hold a candle in their own right um and i feel like proteus is like a good accompaniment to the recent renaissance with 90s fps games and it's the probably the most doomiest of them so we've had a few that are very quakish a bit heretic and hexany but this is the uh the big doom one i think and honestly it's a complete honor to be picked to work on it 
it's really fun to like when I show people the trailer, cause I do this a lot is just kind of like, Hey, this is, you know, this is the stuff that I've been looking into. Like I showed a friend at his house. I'm like, Hey, check this trailer out and uh, the Kickstarter trailer for Proteus. And everybody's like, Oh, is this doom? Like they just think it's doom. You know? <laughs> uh, that's what we want to hear ultimately in a way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, uh, it looks like a, in my opinion, I like the art style better than like photorealistic stuff. You know, that's just kind of my personal preference. Yeah. But the way that Proteus, uh, at least the most recent footage that I have seen, it it's still a bit on the pixelated kind of old school vibe side. It's it's, and I understand that it's going to be highly customizable in that regard. Mm. Or at least that's that's what's been sold uh, yep. to me. No, that is true. So currently okay. in the uh, engine, the ability to toggle resolution is there on just a simple hotkey, and you can do that in the editor. You can do that in like in the game, and it's it changes in real time. So it goes from like a I think it's two forty p, so uh, three twenty by two forty, or might be three sixty by two forty for widescreen. Um, mm. Then you've got three sixty p. You've got I think it goes up to 480p, then it jumps up to your native resolution. So for most people, that'd be 1080p. Um, and there's also like the ability to toggle from models to sprites and vice versa, uh, various other options like that. So like all these sprites in the game are actually dynamically generated on the fly at any given time um, from models. Hmm. So if, you're, if your art style is Doom and you want it as chunky and pixely as it goes with sprites then you're completely covered and you can have that aesthetic but if you're more late 90s and you prefer your quake sort of visuals and you want like the sort of lower poly models and like a higher resolution all that sort of stuff that's also your thing or if you want a mix between two say you want it in a higher resolution but you want sprites because you like the sort of gz doom aesthetic that's there as well my way of thinking like about proteus at least what I kind of hope to get out of it is it seems like it's the, the doom with no corporate shit, you know, impacting it that I wanted. Yeah. That's to come out. Yeah. That's definitely the sort of uh, way of looking at it. I mean, ultimately everyone invested and everyone in the team is passionate about the project. They're not doing it for the bottom line. They're doing it because it's the, the project they've always wanted to work on. Right. So like for, Jason and Mike, they, they've known each other for years. I think they've both worked at Raven Software at one point, and I know mm-hmm. uh, Mike himself worked at id Software for a bit and various other uh, like game studios. And they finally like bitten the bullet and said, look, we're going solo. Let's do it. Let's do the game we want to do. Let's have fun. And if they make money in the process, they're happy about it. But Ultimately, it's it's a passion project, and I think that's what's going to get the best results out of the team is the fact that everyone right. is excited to make what they're making. That's exactly what I want to hear. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, it's from my perspective, it still feels like it's my hobby, much like Doom. I don't feel like it's a job. And I, I'm quite excited to sit in front of the computer and go, yeah, I've got three hours free. Let's do some Proteus mapping. Like I'm, I have that same level of love and fun and joy from it that I get from cracking open Doom Builder. All right, man. I, I don't have anything else for you. Uh, do you have any social media, anything you want to plug, closing thoughts? Well, since you're inviting me to plug, uh, sure. Um, I have my website, which is dfdoom.com. Uh, that's a good mm-hmm. place to go if you want to catch up on any projects I'm working on, get blog posts on things like Proteus and stuff, which I'm going to be starting to write more actively in the near future. 
or any tutorials, as we mentioned earlier. Um, I've got Twitter, which is, uh, I believe it's dragonfly underscore doom. And I'm on Discord as well with dragonfly uh, hashtag 0001, I think. <laughs> yeah, um, that's correct. So yeah, if you ever want to get in touch, feel free to hop on my website, catch me on Discord. I'm very friendly and approachable most of the time. <laughs> this have had a bad day. And it's been an absolute pleasure to be here on In The Keep. Well, thank you, man. Uh, let's get out of here. All right. Peace out. Doomers, do not forget that the Multiplayer Doom Federation is putting on King Don's Take the Crown Doom 2 Duel Tournament. It kicks off Saturday, February the 15th with qualifiers and will go on every Saturday until Saturday, March 14th when we will have the final bracket. For more information on this event, make sure that you go visit doomfederation.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to hear more like it, first of all, you can go to inthekeep.com and check out our full catalog. There's plenty of Doom content in there, including interviews with people like Brad Carnival, Carney, Devastation, DB Thanatos and Michaelis, AF Domains, Mifu, and Wadaholic. Once again, thank you to Dragonfly, thank you to Eris Falling for the intro music, and thank you also to James Paddock for the music that you're hearing right now from the original soundtrack to Eternity. Until next time, stay in the keep. Stay in the keep.